listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 But let's start with J.J. Watt because I think this signing is surprising in its financial size and where he went. Yeah, it was former Texans defensive end J.J. Watt who announced himself on his social media earlier today that he has signed with the Arizona Cardinals. It is a reported two-year deal worth $31 million, $23 million guaranteed. Okay, so as Seinfeld once said, there's nothing wrong with that. And we're talking now about signing with a greater emphasis on the money, but undoubtedly that's what this was. If you look at the Houston situation for J.J. Watt, the former contract situation, Watt had a $17 million price tag with one year. Now, two years at a smidge less than 17 per, but really significantly more than expected. In general, and Jonas, you can tell me if you agree with this, the consensus opinion at the time Houston agreed to release him. Remember, this wasn't Houston's initiative. Houston would have been pretty happy to keep him because maybe he was a smidge overpaid, but you could make the case considering the hubbub in Houston, considering them wanting to get Watson back, they would have paid that little premium to keep that continuity. But most analysts said, huh, 17 is a lot. Not necessarily a bad deal, Houston letting him go. Would you agree that was a consensus? Yeah, diminishing skill set. And according to a lot of people, they felt like the contract, the amount of money that he was going to get paid, they were better served putting that elsewhere. So it felt like the, you know, the end was here. So if that's the case, wouldn't the same rationale apply to Arizona? And I would say this. There certainly were kind of the end is near But there was also saying, hey, J.J. Watt had a good year last year, and injury-wise, he was a lot healthier than he had been in some recent prior years. So last year was an uptick, and and what I heard the most of was he can't do it like he did, which was as high as performing as anyone ever has really in the NFL. At his height, he was as good as any D-lineman. Aaron Donald-type level today was J.J. Watt. He won three Defensive Players of the Year. Right in a row, I mean, it was very impressive. He's not that, but he's still a top, you know, quarter of the league type player at his position. It's just he can't do it for the whole game anymore. Where It was more about finding his spots. But I think you're right, Jonas. In general, he was a little overpaid. Was yeah, the consensus. And, and look, a lot of the injuries obviously had mounted up. I mean, you know, he missed significant time over the past several years. Uh, I think he's, over the past five years, if I have this correct, he played all 16 games once or twice. So Yeah, this so last, is, time, last season was the second time in five yes. years he had played all his games. Yeah, so the feeling was not the player he once was, but can still make an impact from time to time during a game. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Now, so here's the question. If he, if it was viable for Houston to let him go, saying ah, it's a little much, a little much for us, why wouldn't a richer contract in the sense of giving that second year and all the guarantees with it, why is that a good signing? Meaning, I'm not saying it's a horrible sign. It feels like we're, we're kind of delving into the, hmm, reasonable people can disagree. Where reasonable people could disagree, Houston should have kept him or released him, but it was a tight call. I'm not saying Arizona made a horrible decision. I'm saying this is not a coup. This is not a, oh, wow, did Arizona do a, get a good signing here? It feels like, if anything, they paid a little bit more 
when it comes to commitment than Houston. And thus, if Houston's decision wasn't horrible to let him go, it can't be great to make a similar type commitment if you're Arizona. And I also think that J.J. Watt, we've got to be candid. This was about the money because, and this is going to be the most surprising thing I say today probably, Arizona chance to win the Super Bowl is less than if I got a dart, did a shot of whiskey, put a blindfold on, and threw a dart randomly at the other 31 teams. The odds are better than 50% that I'd hit a team with that dart that had a better chance to win the Super Bowl than Arizona. Because Arizona is the 17th favorite to win the Super Bowl. So think about it. 16 teams ahead of him, 15 behind him. He could have randomly picked a team and had a better chance. You're going to do better than average, or you're going to do average or better more than half the time. And Arizona's chance to win the Super Bowl is below average. By a smidge, but below average. I think, Jonas, it's undebatable. If someone has almost their pick of teams and they go to a place with a below average chance to win the Super Bowl, that means that winning the Super Bowl was not a high priority. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get the signing at all. Um, people well, have tried- I get it. Moolah. Well, yeah, exactly. But if you believe the initial reports that were out there, that J.J. Watt's got certain criteria for who he wants to go to. He wants a team that's got a franchise quarterback. He wants a team that's that's trying to win a Super Bowl. He wa- Like all of these things that we were fed about what was a priority to J.J. Watt, and then he chooses the Cardinals. And now I've seen people out there try and make it make sense outside of just the fact that they offered him maybe the, the best contract he could get. And one of the things is, well, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was his former teammate. All right, well, they played different sides of the ball. So I don't know how good their relationship was. And the other one was, well, you know, he's uh, familiar with the defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph was a, a defensive backs coach in Houston. It's not like he was his position coach or even his defensive coordinator. So I don't, I don't understand. And I would also double down on the Super Bowl odds. I still believe Arizona at this moment is the worst team in that division. I think they're worse than San Francisco. I think they're worse than Seattle. I think they're worse than the Rams. So I don't, I don't understand it. I, I, well, I think almost unquestionably that's true, right? I mean, who is going to say – who wants to bet – and I'm saying no one does. I'm not soliciting. Who would want to bet any of those three other teams against them versus Arizona heads up? <laughs> the only, right? I think the only argument would be – what and and we're we obviously we're going to get to that. What's going to happen with Russell Wilson in Seattle? Yeah, but and you're then, not signing somewhere because there's a chance, and the, the betting market is right. saying that there's an eighty percent chance right. that he's back in Seattle. So yeah, you've got the almost unequivocally fourth worst team in the division, seventeenth yes. best team by Super Bowl odds, and I think there's only one thing. That's it, money. I'm about making money. That's the dream, y'all. That's the American dream. <laughs> All right, I'm fine with it, <laughs> but let's be honest about it. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? 
along with my fellow pro bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game, we're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. But I want to re- reiterate something as we shift gears. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas, staying in the NFL. And I want to talk about Dak Prescott because we're going to talk more about Russell Wilson and about some other quarterback situations. Dak, there hasn't been a bunch of news on. But something I said Friday as we were going back and forth just has really stuck with me is I believe that Dak Prescott, a year from today, if everything else were equal – a year from today, Dak Prescott is going to have the most power of any player in NFL history. And I'm open to hearing that debate against it. Jonas, I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but my hypothesis is based upon the following. Quarterback is the most valuable position in the history of the NFL today, meaning the, how valuable the quarterback is today. No position has ever been that valuable. And Dak Prescott will be the best quarterback. And the only exception we could maybe say is Peyton Manning. But remember, that was after multiple neck surgeries. That was the Colts saying we'd rather have a rookie than you, though a very pedigreed rookie at the time, Andrew Luck. I don't know. With the years left, I think the desire – and let me ask you that question, Jonas. Is, do you think the interest would be higher in Peyton Manning after the Colts when he went to Denver or Dak a year from today, assuming things go – We yeah, he could get injured again. There's a lot of things that could happen. But assuming a normal season, doesn't Dak have the most leverage of any player in the NFL's history? Yeah, the only comp would be maybe Kirk Cousins, and and Dak Prescott's a better uh, quarterback than oh, Kirk, yeah, Cousins Kirk Cousins. Oh yeah, because Kirk Cousins they were they were shoving out the door effectively. Yeah. Right. And and, they, they, and also yeah. just from the standpoint of how long you potentially could have Dak Prescott for, because it's so rare that a quarterback comes available yeah. that you don't have to trade for. Deshaun Watson's another story. You got to make that trade in order for that to happen. Dak Prescott could very well be out there for the taking in his prime with with legitimate numbers and legitimate credentials to go along with it. To whereas Peyton Manning, look, if Peyton Man- if Indianapolis knew Peyton Manning's neck was going to be able to be fixed and he was going to be able to recover like he was. I'm not sure that Indianapolis walks away from Peyton Manning. So No, I agree. I yeah. or minimum and, they at least trade him because exactly. remember they effectively cut him. and that yes. was a courtesy to some degree. Yeah. But my point would be that it's not even about who is the most valuable for a team. Cuz you're right. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson are better quarterbacks. Now we say okay, but if you're getting Dak and a free agent signing without having to pay anything beyond the money, that puts him above Russell Wilson if you have to give up three or four first rounders. That's true, but I'm not even talking. I'm talking about Russell Wilson has zero leverage right now. He's under contract. Now, if you want to make the case Seattle is going to buckle or Deshaun Watson even more so, Houston, McNair, the son is a you know billionaire. He could say, you know, I just don't like something about that Watson. I'm not going to trade him no matter what. I don't care if he sits for five years, right? 
He can, yeah. you know, it wouldn't affect McNair's financial position in any way that really matters. So it's only Houston's willingness to trade him because they want to win and they want to, and I'm not saying they won't trade him. I'm just saying, in truth, Watson doesn't have any leverage. It just would take one person to say, nah, you're fine where you are. And literally, Watson could go to the Supreme Court and he's not going to get out of that contract. So he doesn't have true leverage. It's just, does he have a negotiation position? Yes, Watson does. But assuming Dallas doesn't pay more in a third tag next year than any player has ever gotten, and it just isn't vibe. Mackenzie, what's that number again? Next year's tag for if if it's Dak? Fifty-five. Fifty-four point one million. Yeah. Fifty-four, fifty-five million dollars. It's just it's impossible. They're not gonna pay that. So let's assume that. Then now it's not only is Dak one of the great catches of all time, but him as an individual has more power than anyone ever has. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We've been discussing the likelihood of a Dak Prescott contract extension, which also leads into a conversation about Russell Wilson and his potential unhappiness in Seattle. I believe the following. If you are hoping for a certain result because of the good-naturedness or the goodwill of the other person, that throughout the history of the world you would have been very disappointed. There's times, many times, that someone surprises us. They do the right thing. And the fact that we can kind of name those times, it kind of tells you they're not all that common. That In general, people are going to do what's best for them. And they can couch it in, my family has to eat, they can couch it in whatever. But I think if we just accept that's what human nature is, they don't, you know, we can all kind of be, you know, kind of more realistic. Because anytime we're living in like a Hallmark movie type world, we're just fooling ourselves. I say this because of the following. Russell Wilson has now played this very smartly. We predicted this part, that the four teams would generate so much buzz. Because it's like feeding raw meat to the hungry, hungry sports news outlets. Where, you know, everyone's looking for a story. And you give the four teams to the point that the mayors of New Orleans, did you see this, Jonas? Yeah. And Seattle were going back and forth? Yeah, about to uh, keep your eyes off Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, yeah and then they, they're talking about stealing the Pelicans. I mean, it's like tailor-made for the modern era of media. And do, we don't think Russell Wilson's agent understood that. And now, let me pose the following to you, Jonas. If Russell Wilson signed an extension that was particularly friendly for him, you know, let's say two extra years at $45 million a year, wouldn't Seattle fans in Seattle themselves be like, whoo, we got out of that one. Like somehow we went from Russell Wilson, hey, you sign your contract, baby. We'll talk to you in four years or whatever. When it, I guess it's two years when it's not, to they'd be happy to have him for two more years at a big number. And that's kind of the negotiation and framing of negotiations. What is a average outcome? What's a good outcome? What's a bad outcome? Russell Wilson has shifted the frame and his agent where two additional years at a big number would be a good outcome for Seattle, though that would have been a bad outcome 
two weeks ago because the answer would have been, well, wait, he had a horrible second half of the year. Is he getting old? What do you think, Joe? Do you think the frame has been shifted? Yeah, and I also um, I was thinking about this because – and Brady Quinn brought this up, and, and nobody's ever really touched on this, but Russell Wilson's agent is a baseball agent. And mm. so his approach to these negotiations and these tactics – may be different than what the Seahawks have really ever dealt with. Because if you remember, the contract extension Russell Wilson's currently on, it wasn't like that was just easy going and easy negotiation and we're good here. Things got a little bit contentious, and I just wonder if some of that, his baseball background where players have seemingly much more leverage in that sport, is impacting this as well too. I think it's a brilliant point, and I would say the following that I'm going to do my pick is the reason I brought up goodwill is – we're saying, oh, this is wrong, or maybe Russell. Right. Some people are thinking it's like in the end they always win. Yeah. This always is either a break even or better, and yeah. thus it's hard to blame them until the system changes. Come on, baby, eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> Here's our early best bet for tomorrow in the NBA, coming from me, RJ, and we like the Clippers at Boston. Now, Mackenzie, your estimate, the line's not even out yet. We're estimating three and a half, you said? Yes, Clippers favored by three and a half at Boston. So let's put a buy all the way up to four, and here's why I like it. It's real simple. Since Paul George and Kawhi went to the Clippers, so we got you know two seasons, when they lost the last game, and they're not a gigantic favorite the next game, which you know hurts motivation. So they lost the last game to the Clippers. Now against Boston, they won't be a gigantic favorite. Against the spread, Clippers are 25-8. and eight. And the rationale is simple. This team doesn't always play hard, but off a loss they do. Clippers, bet it early because I think most of the public will be on the Clippers. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 